0: Hi and welcome back to Educators Let's Get Real. I'm Jen. And I'm Danielle. And today we're going to follow up on having that accountability partner on your gratitude, but then we are going to be moving into abundancy versus scarcity. So Danielle, how did you do this week with finding that partner, that accountability coach to help you stay on track maybe on times that weren't so yeah
1: I think this is one of my favorite things to do is finding people to share gratitude with because there's so much brain research that gratitude begets gratitude right so the more grateful you are the more you share your gratitude the more you actually find Um, and when we start to train our brains for gratitude um, this is fun so I do really well at home Um, I think I've mentioned we do, like, a family every night. Like, what are you grateful for from that day? We do it at dinner every night. Um, So I have always had someone at home. We just do it together as a family. Um, I think the fun challenge was finding someone at school, right, and sharing that gratitude in the school where, like, hey, how was your day? Like, what is something that went well, even when the days are crazy and insane and all the other things that happen during the day?
0: I think I might drive people nuts because from the administrator point of view, I'm like, okay, so what's one thing that went well? Yeah. And when I was sitting in a teaching like, assistant program, I was talking to new teachers. I said, okay, name one thing. It could be from the entire month, guys. I'm giving you a month. It's <laughs> so one little new teacher, I felt so bad for her. She goes, nothing. I said, not. Come on. You got to find something. She goes, they can get to their lockers now. I said, that's great. That's great. Because let's talk about that. And then through that, we were able to find, like, five different things that she could be grateful for. Yeah. But we she was looking too much at the overall big picture I sometimes think, when we have to
1: find the little. I think sometimes when people talk about gratitude, they think it has to be this big, grandiose thing that you're grateful for. Well, it's not always this big, grandiose thing. Sometimes Mm-mm. it's like, hey, you put your backpack on. And you made your your technology get into your backpack. (laughs) So happy. And I'm so proud of you, right? So I think even with kids, sometimes we are trained, I think, to find those big, great things. But sometimes it's not the big, great thing. Sometimes it's those really small days. And I think on those harder days in the classroom, in the school, those are the most important days to find something Right, you give yeah. this teacher a month, and she's like, "I got nothing." And you're like, "In a month, there had to have been something." There's something, and we just have
0: to find it. But sometimes it's really hard to dig that deep, especially if you've had a bad day, or if you have a difficult class, or a difficult student. Yeah. Um, and for administration, sometimes it's hard when you or for teachers when you have that difficult parent because administrators get the difficult student and parents and. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you have a difficult staff member and it's really hard. But that staff member who's being difficult may also be making it really hard for other staff members. And right. so for me to find that gratitude with them, because sometimes I think they just don't feel appreciated or they don't know how to find their
1: gratitude. So yeah. to come
0: about it a different
1: way. Yeah, I think been that interesting. is a really interesting perspective of, you know, this idea of personal development with teachers is, you know, we've all had staff members, you know, coworkers or teammates or an admin from a teacher's perspective, right? Where you're like, I just don't understand why you are so negative. And Mm -hmm. I think with me, having had this transformation and understanding this gratitude and this practice of gratitude. Now, I will be the first one to admit that I am 100% not perfect with my gratitude practice. I do get frustrated just like everybody oh, else. How do I? However, I always can find good, right? And so when people are in that negative headspace, it is really hard for me to understand your perspective, because I just don't see the world as being that bad all the time. Right, I think that goes into what we're going to talk about today, which is this idea of abundance versus scarcity. Yes. And this idea that I truly believe in abundance, especially in education. Um, And abundance versus scarcity is this idea of abundance mindset, similar to growth mindset, is we can all be successful. And that you winning does not mean I lose. Mm-hmm. But that you're winning means I also win too, um and scarcity being, well, I have to be the best, I have to be you know the best teacher on my team or the best admin on the admin team, or I have to stand out, and I'm not saying striving for good is bad, right? I'm not saying that striving for to want to do well is bad i It's this idea that if I win at being the best teacher that you have to lose. And that's just not true. That's not true in life, and that's not true in the classroom.
0: And I think some of that also comes through, like, that PLC at work or data teams, whatever you have in your schools. But for me, when I go back and think about it, I think a lot of that came with, like, um, no child left behind, Mm -hmm. which has its strong points. I'm not saying it doesn't. It has a lot of great depth and strong points to it. And um, the pay based off of um, your proficiency skills. And once again, I, I understand what they're trying to get behind it. However, when looking back or talking to teachers or when I was teaching and you really reflect or listen to conversations, teachers are scared sometimes if their kids aren't proficient That is going to be put in the newspaper, the classes that didn't score well, or if leadership wants to put ranking of teachers, parents rank teachers. And so I think we can get really scared. And I know one thing we, it was a challenge when I came to stagecoach and I said, we're going to flood or win groups, what I need groups. And, but we go a little further into full flooding. And it was like, You have to trust your teammate. Yeah. Because if you don't, then it's not going to work. And it gets that scarcity that I'm not sending my kid to that other teacher. Because if
1: they don't do well, that falls on me. Right. And we have had the conversation in teams before of like... Well, that's my student. And my perspective is this is not my student. This is our student. Mm -hmm. This is our student as a grade level. This is our student as a school. This is our school. This is our student as a district, right? And it's shifting this mentality of saying, but that kid needs what you have, which might not be what I have. And that has to be okay, right? Just as we all have strengths and weaknesses as humans. We have strengths and weaknesses as teachers and admins as well. Absolutely. And I think understanding and knowing that my weakness does not mean I'm bad. It just means that's not my area of strength. I can trust that someone else on my team has my weakness as an area of strength. Um, when I first started teaching, my partner teacher was the polar opposite of me. And we always said it was the best of both worlds because what I bring as strengths were her areas of weakness and what I brought as weaknesses were her areas of strength. So when we were switching kids before this was kind of a thing previous even to stagecoach, that this Mm -hmm. was the benefit was that our kids got to see the strengths in both of us. Um, And I think that is what this abundance mindset is, uh, is trusting and believing that the rest of the people in your team on your in your school are number one bringing their best to the to to the school and then also being willing and able to say which is hard I'm not great here yeah this is not my area of strength and so can you help me or is this your strength where I'm saying like you're great at that By all means, please take this on. Take it and run. Because it's not mine. But I do have other strengths. And abundance mindset can be hard in the sense of, like, I don't want to gloat. I don't want to say that, like, this is what I am good at. But we have to be able to advocate for ourselves as Mm -hmm. teachers. And our students need to be able to, we need to also be able to say, this is my area of weakness, Um. And that can lead into scarcity mindset where it's like, well, this is my area of strength. I'm just going to or weakness. I'm just going to power through and pretend like it's the best. However, that does a disservice for our team and for our students.
0: It does. And so I think it also brings in like when we talked about Enneagrams and knowing yourself and maybe your team taking Enneagrams so they know each other, because when you're having those conversations that where you're going back and forth that I teach, like for me, I taught the high kids much, much better. I could teach my struggling babies, but not at the success and at the rate I could the high kids Mm -hmm. or the proficient kids. That was my strength. But trusting my team enough to say that and to know that I had another one who loved the low kids and she did fabulous at them. And she'd bring them up to proficiency. That was her jam. She did really good at it. But we had to trust each other to know that. But then we also had to be careful in knowing how to talk about it. Because let's be honest, when you're sitting in those meetings and you're looking at that data and you're like, these kids didn't grow. And if it's all coming from one teacher, right? you have to figure out why. Or I'll say like um, our report cards just came out for schools and mm-hmm. they publish every single school. And then you look at I do. I looked at our school in comparison with other schools. I looked at comparison to Sweetwater One, to the state. And you start looking at those things like, what are we doing wrong? Why am I not as good? And that was the wrong attitude Mm -hmm. to have. And it was like, okay, stop. Pull it back. Let's look at our data. And then they showed the trend data, which can also be (laughs) really Mm-hmm. hard to look at that data, but it's having those conversations and looking at it and be like, yeah, I didn't do hot here. My team didn't do hot here. We need to find a way to do it better. Yeah. Because if we keep spinning our wheels, we start beating ourselves up with that negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And you put more and more and more on your plate. And I think sometimes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when there's so much that you feel that you have to have the best class because you are the best teacher and your scores have to reflect it. When you get the kids that are struggling, sometimes it's really hard not to snap at them and to build those relationships with them Mm -hmm. and to not dislike them because you have so much pressure to be proficient That you start saying, I don't think it's intentional by any means, but we're not as patient and loving with those kids and they need that
1: more than anything else. And I think we get caught up in data culture and we get caught up in having to have students perform to a certain level.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: However... One of the most important things that I've learned is that we have to understand that kids do need to grow and learn, but also understanding that kids are also coming in with their own abundance and scarcity mindset and understanding that by time, you know, I teach third grade, by time they come to me, they've had four years of teachers and staff and report cards to say, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Yep. You're not good enough. And then what does that automatically create in our students? Well, that creates scarcity mindset. I'm not good enough. I'm bad at reading. I'm bad at math. I'm bad at whatever. And we do this to students unknowingly, I think. But think about what that does mentally for students yep. when you have four years of teachers and parents and report cards saying, oh, you're, you're still not performing well nope, you're still not proficient. Like that does take a toll on kids. I have, a, I have a sign in my classroom that says hearts over smarts because I believe that when we take care of kids mentally, when we take care of kids and teach them this idea of growth mindset, of abundance, that meaning just because when we stopped grading on this curve, right? When we started actually looking at what kids can do mm-hmm. and we started me- measuring them against a benchmark versus their peers, That is when we are making this turn with kids that it's not, I'm bad. I'm just not there yet. And having this mindset of abundance that just because you are proficient at the benchmark doesn't mean that I can't be. And I think those are some of the changes in education that have been powerful is in our district, moving to a full standards-based report card where we are grading kids in the elementary world against a standard. And we're saying, okay, you might not be proficient at this standard yet, but I'm not grading you in regards to your peers. And I think that as positive moves forward, because we have to teach kids this idea of abundance mindset. And just because other kids in their class get it, doesn't mean that they won't ever. It just means we all learn differently. Which was
0: there. beautiful. And I'm going to take everything you said about the students and turn it into teachers. Certainly. Or educators, administrators, because I will still find myself getting down if I look at all the data Mm -hmm. or getting really happy. And so it goes back and forth or even surveys that you send out to staff that's data as well for the administrators out there. You do have to have hearts before smarts but how are we giving ourselves enough grace and gratitude so that we can have an abundance
1: mindset yeah i mean i think it is comes back to gratitude in my opinion and understanding that there is always good even that child who is that kid we all know that kid right mm-hmm. and saying there is still good things about that child and believe and believing that, yep. right. It's not Absolutely. just the lip service we pay to to their parent or to our admin, right? It is actually believing in my core that there is something good about that child. It might be small, and I'm going to latch onto that, and, and we're going like, to continue to grow from there. Um, I ban words like, "This is easy in my classroom," because what that does to kids is it teaches the kids who don't get it, who it's not easy for. Scarcity mindset.
0: And I was that kid. School was very, very difficult for me. Not the social part. Social part I was great at. (laughs) Love the social part. Group projects, great at. Right. And I'd have to tell you, like, to be very, very honest with you, as a child who struggled and later finding out that I have a learning disability, that standard-based report card or teachers getting paid based off of test scores, they would have hated me. Yeah, Because I wouldn't have done well on those tests. I I freeze. Right. I second guess myself. I think I can't be right. So I, like I've told you guys before, I, or you, I don't know if I've told our listeners, I'm the person who switched my degree 14 times because I was afraid of college algebra.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't think I could pass the right. class. And so finally I found a teacher who, God bless his soul, was willing to work with me. Passed it, graduated, went on for my master's in education, but I wouldn't even start the master's till I could pass this the right. praxis test, yeah because I didn't believe in myself enough, so I studied for six months for that praxis test, passed it, then went into my master's, did the same thing with my admin degree because I was scared. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough because I couldn't pass it, so having that standard-based mastery like report card could have been very very hard for me mm-hmm. and I might have even shut down as a student because I did well enough I could memorize for a test pass it and then forget it right yeah so that building of all those skills that has to happen did not necessarily happen for me there was
1: big holes yeah and I think it's just an interesting phenomenon right it's easy In education right now to get caught up in data. Mm -hmm. We need data. I think in our building, we value data. However, we also have to come in with this voice of reason of, well, it's not just, oh, they're a bad kid or, oh, I was a bad teacher that week, which happens, right? Like, I get that. I just thought... I had a sub, right? Like <laughs> with COVID going so on I had a many, sub for two weeks. Yeah, there's it so happens. many variables, but being able to be confident with your team and sit down, I think this comes back to knowing yourself and knowing and being able to say, These are things that I'm good at and these are things that I'm not good at.
0: And asking for that help from your team. You've been very blessed with a phenomenal team. Yes, yeah, certainly. But But how do you
1: find it when you're like
0: new to a team or a new teacher or a team that maybe isn't as cohesive?
1: I think that is the struggle. Now, I have worked on a lot of teams in my time in education. Mm -hmm. I was actually just thinking, I don't know that I've worked on the same team, the exact same team. For three years or more? uh, Or two. For two years. No, I'd agree. Um, oh, There has just been a lot of changes in the building and in the district, and there's just been a lot sizes of things. From, from
0: the amount of classes to...
1: Yeah, so for us, I think that is something we're always trying to build. Now, yeah. this year I am blessed with a really solid team, but that has not always been the case. But it's still new. But it's still new, and we're still <laughs> trying to build cohesiveness. And I think it is having conversations... About each other, not about be, each other. Not behind the back, but right, right, sitting in down. meetings and being open enough right, to have and, those conversations. And, and it's hard. And it's hard. It's hard to be the one that is like, well, I suck here. Because immediately what people want to do is like, no, 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 you're not that bad. Right? Because we don't want that conflict in our team. Mm-hmm. But sometimes those conversations are needed not to beat myself up. But to be honest and frank with my team, what? so that we can move on from there and say, okay, I've held in for so long that I am not really great at being the high kids teacher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I have some benefits this year in the sense that I used to be a fourth grade teacher. Right. So there are some benefits that right. I bring to do. the table. Absolutely. But typically, though those are not my strengths. I can move them, but not super well. Now I do I do well with those low kids, especially in reading. I love that part of it. And so I think being able to have that conversation, but that takes number 1, knowing me, yeah, understanding who I am and being willing to say to my team, here's my strength, here's my area of weakness, and I'm okay holding on, letting go of the fact that I'm not great here and it's okay because there's somebody else that will pick up that slack, hopefully. Or will help build capacity in myself to get there.
0: So, I think that's having one thing I heard when I was thinking while you were talking is having those true conversations, right? And mm-hmm. you have to be okay with yourself inside. Mm-hmm. So, like me, one of my things was finding my Enneagram number to find out who I am. And then I did that Intelligence 2.0, which, by the way, everyone I grew so proud of myself <laughs> gave me, <self-han laughs> Go hi-fi. you. Um, but realizing that, so when I'm in those conversations, when I naturally want to retreat, or go after on attack mode because I'm trying to protect mm-hmm. myself, I have to stop and say, why is this bugging me? What happened? How can I look at this differently? And then let's look at the data. Because it's not that they're attacking me, that this is what the data's saying. So how can I go about it to get better, or do I need a different teaching strategy, or was there something
1: different that I need to do? And so And understanding that your lens is different than your students it's different than your teammates it's different than your teachers if you're the admin it's understanding that we might both experience the same event but our interpretation of it is very different and so it is so many facets and levels of depth of knowledge but i think it's all of the things built up together and it's being able to have those conversations with your team so that trust is built, right? It comes back to trust in who I am as a person, trust in who you are as a person, and trust that we're really all coming together, bringing our best to the table, and understanding that we all still have weaknesses, even if we are the perfectionist who wants everything to be done the exact right way. I was biting my lip. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. And it's hard. And I'll be the first one to admit, I don't always like to share. Mm -hmm. I'll share with my teams. I'll share with my teachers. But sometimes I don't always like to share and I don't like to let people in. Because for me, for so long, I built that greatness meant that I was a good person. Mm -hmm. And so it's overcoming that mentality. So our challenge to you guys this week is can you find one thing, just one. Just one. Thing that you're holding on to. That's holding you back. Yeah. And
1: And let let it it go. go. And let it go. I think that is the hardest part is we want to do well. We want everything to go our way. And we hold on to beliefs about ourselves that actually are stopping us from doing great things. Because we're afraid of what other people will think. We're afraid of what parents might think. We're afraid of what admin might think absolutely and we're afraid of what our team community. might think what the community might think what our significant others might think if you have older kids what your children might think and we hold on to this as baggage and we carry it around with us all day but let me tell you what there's something very freeing about just letting it go
0: let it go guys go find frozen listen <laughs> to the song be one with
1: olaf be one with olaf
0: um think about it Please remember if you're listening on Apple Podcast, leave us a review. It help us helps us in our ranking. And also please share this with any other educators. We really are out here to try to make education great. And we want to meet reach as many educators that we can possibly reach. If you want to binge listen to it, we have a few episodes on our belt now. So please do so. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're there. So we're a- still
1: real educators.
0: Fake Fake podcasters. Just trying to make education a little bit easier and better for all of us. Just
1: trying to improve education.
0: Have a great week.